Well, hello, everybody. Before we get into today's episode, which is a doozy, let's talk about a sponsor, the Woodford Group. Do Monday mornings get you down? Are you feeling unmotivated in your current job? Then it is time for a change. Let the team at the Woodford Group help you find your dream job today. With a focus on senior executive, permanent and temp roles within the HR, business support and customer service industries, the dedicated team will help you find success and satisfaction in your new job. Visit woodfordgroup.com.au today. Today's guest was a member of the Royal Australian Air Force and was one of the first airmen to pass the 2nd Commando Regiment selection and to serve with what was, at the time, a new Special Forces unit, the Elite Four Squadron Combat Controllers, Episode 68, Troy Knight. Welcome to One Moment Please, the podcast where our guests take a moment to tell their stories of how they've overcome adversity to achieve success. And you take a moment to tune in to bring on the inspiration. How are you? How was the move? It was uh, painful and it uh, it couldn't have been done with her, obviously, at my partner, Bree. Like she come down on a holiday, but she also helped me. Yeah, it was removals are painful. Let yeah. me say that. Let me just leave it at that and let me just say that. So it's painful. Well, you were lucky because you you didn't really take much with you. We're um, in the process. We're about to put a house in the market. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> I feel the wow. I feel the pain. Yes. Did you move up to Brizzy or yeah. Gold Coast? Yeah, no, nah, Brizzy. Yeah, living in Brizzy at the moment, um, yeah, with Bree. And then, yeah, so it's it's been a bit of a whirlwind tour for her. Uh, like she come down, help me move was on, you know, extended period or not extended, but like just a period of, you know, break from, you know, she just solved a pretty big murder case up here in Queensland, come on leave. Are we allowed to say what she does? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can say. uh, So she's a homicide detective. Homicide detective, uh, does cold cases, puts, (laughs) basically solves crimes. Like I I always thought cold cases were something of the movies, like or or TV series. But it's a real thing, and um, yeah, she puts puts bad guys and girls away who you know have committed crimes over the years. So, and it gives closure to the family. So it's a yeah, it's very it's, honourable work. I've yeah. um, interviewed uh, an ex homicide detective on the podcast, and it's yeah, a lot of credit to that profession. It exactly, exactly. It's not something I could do. A, I don't have the smarts for it. B, I don't know, just. Everyone sits there and goes, oh, veteran this, veteran that. Then when you realise what policing, what, you know, being a fiery, what being an, and especially an AMBO as well. Yeah. They do, no matter what the state they're in, what they deal with. Full on. Yeah. It's full on. Uh, Congratulations on the book, Have You Co. Six. What was the catalyst for writing it? Um. It was, and, oh, geez, I've already started off a sentence, which I spoke to your husband about. What did you word up? So I've got to. You're allowed to use the word um. Don't stress about it. You you, you focus so much on that. I don't want you to um focus on it. Just relax. <laughs> I can edit it out if it's too much. No, it's it's not. Uh, I just it's it's <clears throat> self improvement thing for you know uh, keynote speaking and stuff like that. So yeah, the catalyst for writing the book. I was always the boys used to always sit there and stir me up uh, during work side of things and they'd say you're going to write a book i'm going so this nah. is the boys as in oh sorry the, the ex-military, the yeah, ex-military okay. boys. 
uh, at Four Squadron, and they've always stirred me up and said, you're going to be the <clears> most <throat> person to write a book. And I'm just like, nah, I don't have, like, I avoided the computer. Yeah, like I was saying to you previously, I avoided the computer. I didn't like doing the administrative stuff. I'd rather be on the tools, being, you know, talking to aircraft or, or shooting, moving and communicating, you know, with the rifle out and stuff like that. Get out and I had uh, a couple of people approach me and they said, yeah, you got a hell of a story. Why don't you write a book? And it didn't really sink in. And then it's sort of like everything, it everything takes a while. And I say the saying, Troy doesn't want to do what Troy doesn't want to do. And that sounds, you know, kind of just, you know, it sounds weird, I suppose, talking about yourself in the third person, but I don't do stuff until it makes sense in my own head. And then, uh, yeah, it just sort of made sense. And well, it it, the book's. The book is your life story and it's how you ended up and then your journey in um, the Air Force being a, what's the correct term of it? I know you uh, were guiding in the bombs and stuff, yeah. but what's the? Uh, combat controller. Okay. Air Force combat controller. So that's what I ended up. I started off as an airfield defense guard. You were going to go into that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I got out for a bit and did some bodyguard work and then, yeah, got back in. And, got back in, yeah. Yeah. Uh, God, the, is that the podcast done now? Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, I've, I've just wrecked it. So I've just yeah, I've, yeah, that, no yeah. anticipation. It's uh, yeah, I've just wrecked it. So now, yeah. one of the things that I didn't realize is that I never knew that the Air Force had a special a special forces arm to it. I only thought that was the Army. Yeah, so it's a it's a relatively when I say relatively new, it came from uh, like two thousand and seven. Mm. Uh, it started up, but uh, yeah, been around since then, and they've been working with uh, the Army Special Operations side. You know, being two Commander Regiment SASR Special Operations Engineer Regiment, they've been working with them since yeah, two thousand and seven. So one of the things that I was um, there was lots of th- learnings for me in in the book, being a um, civilian and having no understanding of the Air Force and stuff, but I always. I always envisaged the Air Force being more base orientated and um, not so much going outside the wire and 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 so forth. And from from your early writings in the book, it sounded like you should have more gone towards the the Army. What made you go towards the Air Force to start off with? Because it sounded like you wanted to get um, hands on experience, combat yeah. experience. When I say hands on. And I, like I did, I applied for the infantry, so Royal Australian Regiment, so being a rifleman. Army. Infantry, yeah, Army. Army. Um, I got accepted, like I passed all my testing. I got accepted for that, and this is back in 1999, so when East Timor was, yeah, going on. But it didn't – I wasn't going to go to recruit training until August – of 2000 and I felt like I was missing out. So that was nearly a year away from when I applied because I applied in, I think, September of uh, 2000, but uh, sorry, September of 1999. So yeah, I felt like I was going to miss out. As I was walking out the door, I had a recruiter, like an Air Force recruiter. He was a sergeant. I don't know what he did. Uh, he said, have you heard about Airfield Defence Guard? So he basically sold me down the line and as recruiting does, 
But at the same time, yeah, I was a I was a big boy. I signed up for it, and he showed me a video. He showed me a video of all the awesome stuff, and yeah, and I subsequently uh, subsequently joined the Airfield Defence Guard Regiment. At the t- uh, sorry, the Airfield Defence Guard Squadron at the time uh, in Ambly. Yeah, and never looked back. Uh, yeah, I I loved it. So, and that was to get over to East Timor and have combat experience over there. I know it's peacekeeping, but combat yeah, experience over there. That was the intent, but I missed out on getting uh, a rotation to Timor. So, funnily enough, if I had waited the time allocated to me, I probably would have went over with one of the battalions, with one of the infantry battalions to Timor. But at the same time, like I deployed with the Aggies and um, wouldn't change it. You know, met, yeah. met some best, you know, the best friends I've got in the world had, was with uh, an awesome organisation. Yeah, I can't talk badly about it. So everything works out sometimes for a reason. So, uh. Why did you want to go into the armed forces in the first place? Because from your... From your writing in your early childhood, you sounded like a bit of a scallywag and that one not to take uh, authority and direction easily. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a really good question, Fiona. Um, I, and now I see it through my, one of my own daughters, but I, I think I've got a defiance disorder myself. Like it's undiagnosed, obviously, but. Um, you can self-diagnose I, that. That's fine. Yeah, I've never liked being told what to yeah. do. Yeah, and I say to I say to Bree, my partner, I said, you know, and it, again, using a favourite movie quote of mine, it's like nobody puts baby in the corner, sort yeah. of thing. Um, but I had a grandfather who were who served in World War Two. My other grandfather was a avid bushman, and he taught me how to shoot and do everything else. So I listened to one story about you know one one grandfather's stories about. Yeah, World War Two and what they did up against the Japanese up in because he fought in Papua New Guinea. Yeah, yeah, that was the conflict at the time, um, and they saved Australia, obviously. But and then my other grandfather, a little bit younger, but taught me everything about shooting bushmen. So it sort of just melded into one. Then I had, yeah, then I had my father, who he was a very key influential figure on my behalf as well. Who. You know, he didn't serve, but he just influenced me as a young male. Uh, so, yeah, obviously I went a little bit off rails throughout the, the childhood side of things. So I discovered a lot of, yeah, a lot of things. <laughs> so I discovered <laughs> yeah, driving fast cars. All the I, usual, all the adolescent stuff. I discovered fast cars. Fast women and yeah, everything else fast. So yeah, I like going a thousand miles an hour. Everything is uh, zero or a hundred. Has that changed, or are you still like that? Not no. the not the fast women and stuff, but in terms of going a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, well, no, it hasn't changed. It's um, I'm either switched off hundred yeah. percent where I can just sit down and relax. Yeah, or I go. You yeah. got an on and off button. That's it. Exactly. It's yeah. on and off. There's no in between. So yeah. that doesn't change, and that never changed. I think that's what led me into the special forces world. And, you know, people sit there and say, but with the special forces and, you know, whether it's tactical policing, whether it's anything like that, um, people are either on and off. Yeah. You don't get into the special forces world if you're, you know, what society, this is the world according to Troy, obviously, but whether you think the world you know, it's 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 on or off. So 
you don't get into it with I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to use my words here. Bear with me, Fiona. Um, <laughs> you don't get into it if you're yeah. Let's all if you're lazy. You don't get into it if you if you don't have a a, just, a strong a normal, willpower. I would say, or if you're a normal person. This is what <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to, I was trying to put politically correct. Without, uh, oh, don't but, be politically correct on here. We're not woke on this this podcast. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I'm happy to describe, like, I don't want to talk for everyone else. But No, you talk for yourself. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but you don't you don't get into that world unless it's not a screw loose. It's just you're a different person. You're yeah. Different- yeah, I think you have to be wired differently uh, to, because it's a different, you're seeking the uncomfortable purposely and that's not a normal thing for people like usually like to stay in their comfort zone. That's mm. how I would broadly describe it. Yeah, as a layman. Yeah, no. Well, no, that, that actually uh, articulates it quite well. That's that's uh, quite. Yeah, I sit there and and go. Uh, yeah, I chat to people and go. What person charges into you know gunfire? You're you're trying to hurt someone. They're trying to hurt you. But what person does that? And yeah, you know, I try and yeah. You know, and like I was saying to you with our previous uh, chat, it's I. It now the shoe's on the other foot. So yeah, once upon a time people used to worry about me going overseas, and I didn't worry. I was just like, oh well, it's the next adventure. So, but now I go through it with uh, yeah, with a partner who goes to work every day, and she doesn't know what she's going to get, and she can draw down on people. And there, there's officers through every state, through everywhere that are killed in the line of duty, and all of a sudden, I'm worrying about them rather than just sitting there going, oh well. I'm just going to charge into battle. And, I mean, the fact that she's also working homicide, she's actively hunting murderers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's, yeah, I understand the concern with that. The One of the things that also surprised me about um, you writing about the initial steps into the Air Force is that they went and did um, bushcraft, like survival training in the bush. And, again, I would have thought, you're on a base eating MREs or, you know, normal food. Like I wouldn't have thought you'd have to be out in a swag. You probably don't even have a swag, you know, having a. <laughs> have a swag, trust me. Um, yeah, so the Airfield Defence Guard, which was what I originally started as, um, big, again, big shout out to those guys. But they they patrol out from the base like the best reaction is to take the proactive that, yeah it's yeah. be yeah exactly it's to be proactive towards so they patrol out they try and take the fight to the uh the aggressors and stuff like that so yeah i, I definitely never will forget and i'm not ashamed of saying that um yeah that was my sort of you know childhood in the military so people sit there and go oh you're air force defense coming out yeah so what's the big deal but it still got me the prerequisite skills to get through selection uh special forces selection and you know and and subsequently stand up you know one of the premier special forces units of uh of the australian defense force so yeah i want to talk about you're very open in regards to your journey in regards to pts i don't like using the d on the end of it i chatted to um what i don't like using the word journey either so we can <laughs> don't you what would you prefer to, to I, I, I don't care i just i just hate the word journey it's it's a it's a long road it's a it's yeah. the 
road to redemption, I suppose. So, yeah, that's that's probably going to be the title for the second book. It's uh, road, road to, to redemption. Yeah. So no, I'm just being a, I'm just being a smart ass, so. That's all right. You're allowed to be a smart ass. <clears throat> well, I won't refer to it as journey then. I don't know what to refer to it as. <laughs> you're, no, you you're made me paranoid, you bugger. Um, no, nah, not at all. Now, one of the things that did you ever see combat when you were in, in your first um, stage in the military in the Air Force in that role? No. Uh... Because the, the reason why I asked that is because it was there was an event that I want you to touch on, which I think started that tap dripping into the bottle in terms of overwhelmingness. Is that a word? I just made it up. It is now. It is now. And yeah. uh, look, I don't know. I'm the worst person for, I make up my own words. Apparently <laughs> when you get to sort of warrant officer level in the military. You're not allowed to? You don't have warrant officer oh. in the Air Force. But uh, when you get to that level, you're allowed to make up your own words. Oh, That's good. Right. I'd be automatically in that then. Yeah, I'd have to go in at that level because I make up my own words all the time. <laughs> Uh, no, I, so I saw incoming fire when I was in 03, we copped some rockets and mortars, but I, I didn't get the fire back. I didn't get the fire back shot in anger until I was, uh, a never in anger in defense. And I'm sure. Yeah. Sorry. Def- <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Defense. Um, cause it, and that's what people don't under, I suppose, um, people don't understand is, so I was there protecting people in 03. Mm. It was just- Where's there? Uh, Iraq in 03, because yeah. uh, I missed out on Timor. I didn't get to go to Timor. I did do uh, some boat people side of things, but that wasn't protecting people. That was just, you know, the side of things from the government and yeah, we can go fully political with that sort of things. Let's not. I, we'll get banned. Yeah, exactly. So I did that uh, as a first deployment. Second deployment was part of the invasion of Iraq. I wasn't part of the invasion. I was there as security for an air traffic control detachment for Baghdad Airport. But that wasn't. Was that in your in your first stint in the military before you got out the first yep. time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was first stint. Uh, that was 2003. Didn't see. So we we took incoming fire being rockets and mortars on several occasions. We took that, but I didn't get to aggressively defend. You know, defend. Yeah. Like I wasn't taking the fight to the enemy. It was yeah. just. I uh, just got to protect people. So that's fine. Um, I'm just conscious of the language that we use. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very conscious. I don't want to sit there and go, look, you know, yeah. We did it, cor- we did it correctly within the uh, rules of engagement. engagement yeah. So yeah, yeah. It was one of those things. So, um, so are you, I want one of the events that you write about in the book was the, um, car accident that you came across and had to deal with and your anger in regards to how it was dealt with at the time. Yeah. Are you comfortable talking about that? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Uh, look, I mean, yeah, we've had a bit of a conversation about it. Um, and look, hindsight's, I always refer to the thing, hindsight's twenty twenty. So Yeah. So uh, talk me through what happened and then we can talk about how it was handled. Yeah. So, uh, 
Land Rover. It was a FFR Land Rover, which was it's called fitted for radios. Drove off the road. None of us know why. Investigations through Queensland Police, through military, through ADFIS, they never deemed a, a, a reason why it went off the road. So they just went off the road. You know, hence hence the the term uh, accident. Mm. I was in the vehicle in front. I was on a sniper course at the time. We ran back. Like we saw the vehicle. Well, I didn't. I was asleep in the vehicle, but. Um, other boys saw the accident and yeah, we banged on the window and we stopped and we ran back. So we ran back, yeah, let's say four or 500 meters. I don't really know the distance, but we were all laughing because none of us had been involved in a vehicle accident before. Um, So we're all just laughing. We were laughing going the, you know, for lack of a better term, the, the dickheads have driven off the road. Like, what, what are they doing? And we're laughing going, oh, we're going to give them so much shit. And we broke down through the lantana, which had a specific smell, and we got there. And when we got to the two passengers, one being a good mate of mine that I went through my basic training with, um, yeah, it was... Uh, it was an eye-opening experience. I don't really know how to put it. It's I tried to write about it correctly, and you know, um, you know, I talk about it in the book, but I say there's a cathartic experience about writing, and there was, but it also brought up a lot of memories, and I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, when you come across, so a good mate of mine, and um, yeah, you know, I won't say his name um over the internet but he was pretty much decapitated he had a piece of skin you know i could stick my fingers down his throat oh, like i was trying to do resus on him and yeah it just didn't work but uh and the other guy was uh he was cut in two like there was two parts of like he was cut into like sheared in two so horrific catastrophic in- injuries it, it was it was but for me i'd never like I joined the military because I wanted to go to combat and that's fine. But I just hadn't meant to prepared for that. And that that's what sort of awoke me to different things is just, I walked around in, it was like I was in a dream if it wasn't for a guy and a hit um, ex uh, infantry. He went to SASR. He grabbed me and he's like, Hey, Troy, you need to focus. Like I was walking around like a zombie. Like I literally. Shock. You're in shock. I was in shock. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I'd never experienced that. I'd never seen anything like that. Um, but yeah, I was in shock. And mm. people sit and go, like now people sit there and go, oh yeah, but you've seen this. And I said, yeah, well, that was like the first thing that I did. And yeah, I, I managed to regain my sort of, how do I put it? Regain my consciousness and, and stuff like that. But yeah. It was, it was pretty. It was pretty full on. It was pretty brutal. Um, we went back to the unit at time, and the unit just went into the typical military scenario. They were just like, "Oh, we're going to give you the padre. We're going to give you the psychologist." Like, it just didn't work out, and none of us wanted it. None of us. They're like, you know, 
we got a big spiel because no one no one knew any better. So I think we've learned a lot more now, um, as in giving people yeah that bit of time and space to do stuff. And look, it doesn't always work for every scenario, but we were just force fed, and all of a sudden the chaplain's going. Yeah, this is what really pissed me off was the chaplain was going, and I'm not religious, but I don't downgrade any, like I don't degrade, yeah, degenerate anyone who is religious. Like that's yeah. their own. Each to their own. Yeah. But he's force feeding us. He's like, oh, we've got to do this. We've got to do, yeah, we've got to say a certain prayer. And I'm just going, all I want to do is just have a beer with the boys. Like, yeah decompress afterwards is that how you would have preferred to sort of be left alone hang out with the boys sort of come to terms in in so to speak what happened and then sort of maybe 24 hours have that counseling and so forth because from an army from the well not the army air force but from from the military's point of view they're trying to provide you with support immediately so i understand why they've done it which how would you have preferred them to do it Again, this is we're talking back in like this is 2001, 2002. So I personally would have preferred to be left alone. But then, you know, I'm 20 years on, I still like to be left alone with stuff like that. Like, yeah, I've lost a a lot of mates to suicide. I still lose mates because they do stupid stuff every now and again. Um, I like to be left alone. That's me. But I think military-wise, they should have left us alone. It was forced upon us. Like we had to have a mandatory parade and we had to do this, we had to do that. I'm just going, yeah, it, it's, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So, But that's the benefit of hindsight, I suppose. And, yeah, everyone's following protocol. Well, also part of that, which you touched on was the fact that it was a sniper course that you were on. And again, I never knew that the air force had snipers. Again, I thought that was bloody army only. So every day's a learning day for Fiona over here. Um, what, how long were you sort of in, like, when did you get out the first time? Because you weren't doing the combat that you wanted to do when you got in. So when did you get out the first time and what were your reasons? Um, yeah, so I officially left in March 2005. I was on leave before then, and I took a contract for bodyguard work in Iraq, I think around February or January. I'd have to check it out. But, um, but, but yeah. why? Why did you decide to go contracting? Uh, several reasons. One, and I can say this up front, I was getting paid a six-figure salary for contracting. Like I was, I was a yeah. bodyguard. So, yeah. But I also was, well, I thought I was going to be working with, you know, high speed, what we call high speed. So, you know, top level individuals. So, yeah. And you weren't? Uh, no. Funnily enough, no. So, go so if you're paid okay you're getting paid a salary to protect someone as a bodyguard so therefore by definition you're meant to take a bullet for them essentially uh, what happens if you don't like them uh, you push them in the way 
<laughs> yeah, like it's contractually you're not told to take a bullet for someone. So you're not, okay. No, so th- that's 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 a funny thing. Like everyone sits there and um, thinks that bodyguards and I say bodyguard. Uh, the bodyguards a role. There's protective team. There's residential teams. There's there's a whole lot uh, that goes towards it. So I was the BG for a lot of things, and yeah, you know, even BG for some high profile um, people here in Australia. So Australia and US, and you can be emptying. I can be emptying bins or watering a garden as a bodyguard. Really. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. does that well, fall under bodyguarding duties? It's part of your contract, and you just get paid to do what you're paid to do. Jesus <laughs> it's uh, it's not all Kevin Costner jumping in front. I know of he's got a lot to answer for, but that's what I envisaged. You know. And yes, yes. In the bodyguarding world, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a uh, little thing recently, and. Yeah, little job recently where it was just a day job and, yeah, it was uh, part of what we call the advanced team. I was loading bags onto a truck and and loading bags off. So, And it's not always the principal that you're bodyguarding. It's normally the relative. So in this person's case, it was the mother and she was high. She's high maintenance as, like, can I swear? She's yeah. high maintenance as fuck. <laughs> so, <laughs> She thinks she's more important than what she really is. So uh, it's just like, oh, God, you've got a daughter who does this and, yeah, your son-in-law does this, like he's a billionaire player. Yeah, and, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's, yeah, it's interesting. I would probably, if I was ever in the situation where I needed one or had the money to need one, that um, – I would be treating you guys so well. So you would <laughs> take that bullet. I wouldn't want to be like, take out the bins for me, mate. There's, yeah, there's, I don't think there's outside of, you know, if you go to the States where everyone owns a gun, right? Um, yeah. Here in Australia, there's not a lot. Yeah. The threat level's different. Yeah, it's, it, it's yeah. a lot different. So, but uh, it's, uh, it's like empty the bins and hose the garden. So don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. It was uh it was very, yeah, relaxing. Yeah, I use the word cathartic a lot, but uh it was very relaxing hosing down the citrus plants and uh <laughs> yeah. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. So you took the you took the bodyguarding role in in Iraq was Iraq? Iraq. Yes, yeah. Okay. And so what year Iraq, are we in now? Iraq, uh and Jordan and uh, Southeast Asia at the time. So, like, there were different different roles. Yeah. How did your wife, because you were married at the time, how did your wife feel about you finally getting out of the military, not having to be worried about you, and then you take a contracting role? Uh, how do I answer this without pissing off all the uh, female just, all the women <laughs> so say, say it as it is so you're me- so, well it's interesting in terms of your I, mentality I, yeah and i and please trust me i don't uh like referring to women as females because to me that's derogatory so and i've got four daughters so but i didn't consider it 
to be honest. At the time, my mentality, I just didn't consider it. It was just I was bringing in money. I didn't consider the children. I didn't consider my wife. And hence what led to, you know, my breakdown in marriage and stuff like that. Did you see yourself as the primary role as the bread? I don't know what your wife was doing. So breadwinner, money earner, therefore therefore the priority was to bring in the money or were you chasing the excitement? Uh, I would say a bit of both, but I would lean towards I was chasing the excitement. I didn't, and this will sound bad and everyone might hate on your podcast for this, but I didn't consider my ex-wife in any of those decision-making sort of things. And that's that's where I've changed in life now um, with my current partner, yeah, I consider everything that she has to say and, yeah, and and, and I don't do that. Like, you know, I, I was offered a couple of jobs to go to Ukraine, uh, but I just I don't have that desire anymore. Mm. So, uh, I don't think people will hate on the podcast or, or you for that. I think that that's a self-reflection and a self-awareness of where you were at that time, and I think that that's a positive thing because you've grown from it. You're not like that anymore. No, hell no, hell no. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's one of those things. It's when you touch on the raw truth, fee. It's uh, yeah. It's one of those things. It uh, like it's still it still stings. Like I planned. You know, I was with my ex-wife for eighteen years. We were married for sixteen. I didn't plan on being with another woman, but it just it it just it ended up that way, and it wasn't it wasn't the prettiest of moments, and yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't wish hurt upon anyone. I can still inflict hurt upon people, but at the same time, yeah, I wasn't, it wasn't planned. That's for that sure. was, you were very honest about that in the book, actually. Yeah. yeah. I was partly surprised that you went there, that you really owned your faults in that relationship. Oh, it was purely faults on my behalf, but what do you do like yeah it's i don't know like do i deny it and then something a skeleton jumps out of the closet down the track but it's like what what do you do so has your ex read the book uh she's read part of it yeah it brings up a lot of bad memories for her like we chat fairly regularly we don't get along necessarily but um yeah, we chat fairly regularly about obviously the children and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, so it was it was tough. It's and it still is tough. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know whether other people go through this. I don't know whether, and it doesn't matter of gender, like whether you're male or female. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's it's tough. So. How long were you bodyguarding for? Uh, private security was. Oh, is that a private? Let's use the correct lingo. Private security. <laughs> oh no, uh, three years. So 2005, 2006, and 2007. So 2005, I worked for a British company. Um, 2006, uh, sorry, 2005, worked for a British company. 2006, I worked for a American company, but I also did some work in. Um, so that was Iraq. So both of those were Iraq. And because you saw the combat that you that you know there was some sticky moments over there. Yes, yes, yeah. I, yes, I did. Yeah, and then yeah, two thousand six 
Uh, I also worked for the same company, but I did some work in uh, in Jordan. And then two th- uh, end of 2006, I did some anti-piracy sort of things, I suppose, the best way to yeah. put it. So- the most interesting part about that in the book was that you were geared up to do all this anti-piracy stuff and there wasn't a bloody pirate out there. No, yeah, no. There was a lot of what they call hawkers, like just driving up to the boats and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so, yeah. And then, yeah, 2007, I did the security manager job, um, worked at a Jakarta and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. What made you want to go back into the Air Force? Because you left because you didn't weren't seeing the action that you wanted to see. You've now seen the action doing the private contracting work what made you say i want to get back in and not okay well i've had that excitement i'm done it was the it was the new challenge of they stood up the combat control or then it was a special tactics project so they stood that up so it was a new challenge and yeah i just went yeah let's give it a crack well i'm sure that it would have been a significant pay cut for you going back into the military compared to private contracting that's why i was interested do you maintain your rank is that the right term rank when you go back in or do you have uh, to start no, from square I, one again i started from scratch <gasps> yeah i started wow. from scratch uh but i because i and i'm not i'm not trying to sound like a, a a big-headed wanker here. Like that's this, all right, Troy. Let's go with the big-headed wanker. It's fine. But I duxed a lot of my so you know duxing. I topped a lot of my courses, so yeah. I went to the sort of top of the food chain, I suppose. Yeah. So you yeah. could pick and choose, go the second time uh, more so than somebody else. To a degree, yeah, yeah. But I just got for for rank and stuff like that. I went to you know the top of the food chain. So how quickly did you go and do the commando course after you got in the second time? Um, pretty quickly. So I started back in the air force in, I think, yeah, without saying an official date, let's say first of February. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was first of February, 2008. I did selection for commandos in August, 2008. So I had a bit of training time there. I had a few other courses involved and stuff like that so uh. i know just youtube knowledge that there is a direct entry course in terms of the commandos why did you decide if you're starting at square one again why did you decide not just to go direct entry through the commando pathway in the army why did you go back through the air force uh that's a good question i didn't uh, like I, I never decided to go back through anything. I was happy on the contract world. It's just that an opportunity presented itself. So obviously there was the the two commander route and some of the best operators that I know have come through the direct entry side. Like everyone sits and goes, oh, direct entry. But they're, because they think differently, they don't, they're not doctrinated by yeah. the military. Um, they're, they're some of the best operators I know. I had never thought that I didn't, and I didn't think it. It was just that this Air Force opportunity provided itself and, yeah, the right people 
sent me the the right email and they're just like, hey, we would like you to come to here. So I don't know. It was just how do you put that perfect eclipse, I suppose? So it was just that all the moons aligned and everything just worked out. So why if you're going through the commando and I understand one's army and I and I understand that you were um in the Air Force. But if you're going through the commando course and you're passing that exact course as the army commandos are, why then aren't you given that title? Is it just because you are in the Air Force and not not in the army? Well, back when I went through, we were given that title. I've got a commando dagger. I've got a green beret. I've got everything. So. Okay. So you're considered a commando as well as the Air Force, or is that uh, an honorary, honorary thing? Back in the day, yes. Uh, now, no, I don't think so. I would have to catch up on it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to take away from, you know, what we call the 079s, the commando. So, yeah, I got given the Sykes Fairburn dagger. I got given a beret. Um, yeah, because I passed everything. Um, the same guys pass everything. It's just it's just a different thing now. It's um, Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't want to... Yeah, I can sit there and say, yeah, I was past that, and yeah, people can vouch for that. It's it's what it is, but um, yeah, I don't want to downgrade what they do by any means. So, uh. I was I was just interesting trying to wrap my head around same course, different titles. You know, like I was just trying to wrap my head wrap my head around that. <laughs> I still try and wrap my head around it now, and I was part of the I was part of it, so yeah. They do, they do what they do. So uh. The role itself that you ended up in was fairly new and it was one that you described that the Australian military recognised that they needed it because it was having such success from the um, US military was doing it, which was, and I'll get you to describe it properly, but basically you are deployed with the special forces and your role as an Air Force operator was calling and and communicating with the aircraft to drop the bombs in the right places, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah correct. Um, it, it came from, you know, 2001, 2002 days where SASR deployed to Afghanistan and we've read heaps of stories about that, but they were using US guys and the US guys have been doing it since like, you know, the 50s, the 60s, and they're killing it. So it was put to the Australian Air Force, can you replicate what these guys are doing? And, yeah, and we, and we did. We did. So, yeah, we, um, we dropped bombs on there. And, yeah, I started with 2nd uh, Commando Regiment, obviously, in Afghanistan. And now, obviously, it works with uh, – we work with 2nd Commando Regiment and uh, SASR. So, yeah. How was the, one of the things that struck me in the book was even though you've gone through all of this extreme training and you've gone through the military, you've done the contracting work, you've then passed a special forces commando uh, training, you've now been trained on how to drop the the bombs correctly on, on the enemy. I don't know if that's the correct phrase, but I'm going to use it. Um, One of the things that struck me in the book was how 
much you second-guessed yourself. And it was really interesting because you don't necessarily hear that from people that have gone through that level of training. And I wondered why you find, I don't know, do you recognise that? Because it struck out, it was something that struck me in the book. Yeah, it's, um, geez, how do I, yes, yes, I I did second guess myself. It's when you drop bombs, it's not like when I obviously, you know, we're not going to use the camera footage, but I'm I'm doing a bit of stuff on the camera here. But um Is that gun? Is that but you pretending to shoot something? Yes, yes. Okay, so, yeah. So if I do that, that means um rifles out. So, okay. Um it's when you drop a bomb, it destroys, like a bomb destroys a lot of things. I never wanted to drop a bomb that didn't destroy an enemy, for starters. Mm. But, I did, like, I didn't want to hurt innocent people. Yeah. Uh, why we have rules of engagement. That's why we have laws of armed conflict. That's why we do everything. So, but I definitely didn't want to hurt my, um, you know, my own people. It's like. Yeah. So I did second guess myself. Like I always had that second, like I had sec, I had more than second guessing. I had third, fourth, fifth. I had voices running through my head. This might sound crazy, but you have voices running through your head and it's like, am I dropping on the right target? Like, have I got the right information? And you're double checking, you're triple checking, you know, you're doing all these things. So, you know, it's not what, It's not what, and, you know, stuff it, I'm going to say it. Um, it's not what the media puts out there that, yeah, Australian military and, and special forces, you know, in particular, are, mm. uh, you know, they're fast and loose. They yeah. have, their reporting hasn't been very kind to that. Yeah. No, they haven't, and they haven't fact-checked anything. They're, they're mm. absolutely, like, yeah. Anyway, let's let's... <laughs> Be very cautious. I can, I can go on a mad rant. On your podcast. Yes, we can. People can people can just research that and uh, um, yes. <laughs> I don't want to get sued, Troy. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we're not going to do that. But what I want to say is, it's not like that. It's yeah, guys and girls are sitting here doing the right thing. So yeah, I triple checked. I double checked. I triple checked. I quadruple checked everything that I did and yeah, it was, um, it was a tongue in, how do you put that dry mouth? Yeah. You know, how do you, how do you, it was nerves. Like you were nervous that you were oh, doing the right thing at all. Yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of as you're, you know, you can't stuff up like it's a hundred percent accuracy at all times situation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, no different to, you know, you look at um, the Danger Close movie or you look at, you know, things with bringing artillery, like, but it's that you like your throat is in your mouth. I don't know how to describe it because obviously I'm still learning, learning my words, but um, it is just like you are, you know, I'll put it in my layman terms. I'll put it like I was shitting my pants. Yeah. I didn't want to kill my mates, but I still wanted to help them out. So, and that was my job and I had to do that. So, 
Had you spoken to other people that were in your sim, like your role, essentially, there were others that went through the training. Was that similar with them? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, from the Air Force side of things, it was 100% similar. And I think we helped each other out throughout it uh, in the early days. We just, we spoke about it. We helped each other out. We're just like, yeah, I'm. I experienced this and they're like, yeah, I experienced this. And, you know, I did nothing spectacular. I just did my job. I'm happy with that. I'm happy to come home and, you know, do that. But I've got mates that, you know, they've, they've got, you know, gallantry medals and stuff like that. So, you know, from doing exactly the same job that I've done. So, yeah, they're the ones that are pretty amazing in my eyes. So I think yeah. you guys are all amazing. How long were you in that role for? Uh, so two thousand, I I finished selection. So yeah, I went uh, beginning of two thousand eight, but I did selection in two thousand eight, um, and yeah, got out twenty twenty one. Yeah, last year, February last year. Why did you get out? Didn't you break your back during a static jump? Yes. When yes, is that why you got out? When did no. you break your back? Oh. No. no, I got out due to being, you know, yeah, I joke about it, but uh, being a bit crazy. So I'm crazy. It was PTSI injury. Um, talking to me. traumatic brain injury. So, yeah. Yeah. I joke about it. I just go, yeah, I got it for being crazy. I didn't get the, the same stamp, you know, f- to quote Simpsons, I didn't get the same stamp on Don't. the I think that belittles what, what the injury of it. I um, think about it. It's it's the way I deal with it. So, when did you realize that you uh, were struggling in terms of TBI and PTSI? It wasn't till twenty. It was end of twenty nineteen. Um, I was with a, a different partner at the time, and um, and. And I'd had the same from my wife. So this is after I'd separated with my wife. So I had both of them tell me, like, you are suffering something. Yeah, something is not right. So what what was what was the I don't know when they say symptoms, but what was it that made them say that to you? Um, the difference between anger and happiness and then um you know just crying i suppose like mm. I, I could sit there i could sit there and one minute fight 20 people but at the same time you know an hour later i'd be crying my eyes out over over something so it just it wasn't a normal range of emotions I'd, i i think so they were telling me that uh, my wife was ex-wife was telling me that from 2012 but I just didn't listen. Like you don't listen to what you don't listen. And then, then I had a partner after that. Um, she didn't listen. Luckily for me, and, you know, with sort of, you know, shoring things up and, and, and squaring away my own life. Yeah. I've got a decent partner um, with Brie now and, and, and she gets it. Like she sits there. Yeah. And it's not, I don't know how it works for other people, but it never, hundred percent in my eyes cures itself and i still see a psychiatrist a psychologist a doctor like i still see everyone so um 
Yeah, so it was 2012 that it was first brought up to me. I started seeing a psychologist in 2017 and still see her to this day. So it's uh, it's a it's a it's a long road, Fiona. It's a long mm. road. So it it and look to be honest, it's a non it's a non negotiable ongoing road. So in terms of seeing somebody, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and, and in terms of mental health as well, I think mm. like um yeah, it's I don't know how to well, yeah, I don't want to give bad advice to anyone because everyone's different, but yeah, for me it was just it's ongoing and yeah. So you got out in 2016, did you say? Uh no, I got out and like I finally got out in 2021. How many deployments did you go go through in your new role? Uh, in the new role, yeah. I went through four deployments. So I've done eight total, but uh-huh. uh, four total in the special operations side of things. How was it getting out? Because you've probably had all of your mates around you, you're in a team environment and you're sort of, I would imagine, thrown out in terms of the big wide world in terms of, not having that familiarity around you how was it getting out the second time it was to be honest it was pretty tough it Mm. was um was very tough but i had all the support like you see a lot on social media and everything it's like yeah oh yeah defense doesn't support this person that person I got supported by defence. Like I had the best doctor available. Um, I had a transition officer who was military. I had a civvy who was helping me with my transition as well. Yeah, I got looked after. And then I had a good support range uh, from the boys and they they were always ringing me up and going, yeah, how are you going? What's this? What's that? So, yeah, I'm. don't get me wrong, I... I miss the camaraderie from the boys, but I don't miss the job per se. And, but I still, like, I had the support. Yeah. What was your tipping moment that you went, I have to get out? Like my symptoms, is, I don't know whether or not you did have this, but did you, did you get to a point where you went, my sim- symptoms are so bad that I need to get out? Or was it the military that went, hey? Yes. No, it's, no, the military definitely didn't uh, go, hey, it was definitely uh, a choice on my behalf. I, so I'd come back from rehab at that stage and I was pushing um, everything. Yeah, so I'd been in the mental health clinic and I was pushing everything, trying to get back to work. And I had a slight disagreement with a boss of mine where we're pretty good mates now like we yeah we get along quite well i, I just saw him funnily enough on anzac day but uh, yeah we had a disagreement and he was just pulling me into line doing his you know what he needed to do so and that's when i realized i yeah i need it's just like yeah this place is aggravating me i don't need this i need to yeah take the next next step in my life so all right that was that. So it wasn't the most gracious of departures, but all you're skirting I'm- around that incident, but I'm just 
Oh, I feel I, like there's a big story there, Troy. We won't go into it if you don't want to. There's a massive story there. There is a massive story. So uh, <laughs> maybe when we're not recording, you can tell me that one. Whether you want to put it on, whether you want to cut it on the podcast, I don't care. Um, Up to you. Yeah, but it, I mean, it'll be published if you go into it. It'll be published. I'll I'll tell it. You don't have to. Um, yeah. So him and I didn't uh, agree about a certain thing, and then I tried to. I solve things. I used to solve things with my fist. Yeah. I grew up in that sort of. What state did you grow up in? Were you Queensland boy? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I grew up on the coast and then I grew up playing footy and stuff like that. So it sounded like you were the more everyone that's listening that's outside of Australia, Queensland's more outdoors. It's got the climate, tropical climate to be more outdoors. Yeah. And I wasn't the most articulate person and. You know, I captained the footy team. I did this, I did that. So nothing spectacular. I, I wasn't a, a state representative or Australian representative, but I just grew up with a bunch of boys that, yeah, we solved stuff with our fists and then... Rough and yeah. tumble. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, this uh, particular incident with my former boss and who I've got nothing but absolute respect for, yeah, we uh, try to blows... Well, we didn't even trade blows. Like I just threw out a threat and then said, uh, if I come to work, I'm going to gonna punch this dude. So I got told to come to work and I went, nah, and then just did, you know, the old nobody puts baby in a corner so, you know, type of scenario and just went, which is a big thing with the military. You can't just like not turn up to work. So I disappeared for a couple of days and, yeah, got charged with uh, absence without leave. Oh, you got um, charged with being AWOL. Yeah, yeah. So 21 years of service, never had anything. And then, yeah, the CO decided to, um, yeah, to to charge me. And, yeah, rightly so. Like, yeah, I don't deny it. I was not there for work. And I was warned. Um, I could have played the, you know, I could have played the, the AWOL card on being, you know, with PTSD because I was already diagnosed with that. But it's like, well, you know, I did the time sort of thing. You know, I did the crime, I do the time sort of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's, I don't deny what I've done. So, yeah, you own it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did that. I made a logical choice in my eyes because if I rocked up to work, I would have probably punched holes in people that day. That was just the person that I was at the time. I regret it. Um, yeah. And like I said, I caught up with him just Anzac Day and, yeah, we had a beer together and, yeah. Hugged couple, it out. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Hugged it out. Yeah, we hugged it out. So it's just like, yeah, man, sorry, um, yeah, that I ever did that. But, um, yeah. They didn't, They no one ever went, hang on a minute, he's been diagnosed with PTS. Um, maybe this is a, a result of that. Uh it's unusual for Troy to be doing this. Yeah, I don't know because I didn't fight it. Uh, one of my good mates who was going to, he wanted to be a defending officer for me. He's like, he's like, dude, this isn't you. What's going on? And yeah. I'm, yeah, I told him to sort of f off. I said, look, I'll just take it the way it is, and yeah, and I took it. So yeah, uh, it with the benefit of hindsight, the yeah. No, I'm not going to comment on that with the benefit. Okay. Yeah. 
It shouldn't See? have been. It shouldn't have been the way it should have been. But at the same time, that's not an excuse. Like, yeah, I did what I did, and I broke the rules. So, yeah. You're out now, <clears throat> and I want to have a chat about the uh, charity that you're involved in. So, how did that come about? Uh, so a good mate of mine, Pete Clark, his name is, uh, if I can name names here. Of on the can. Um, as yeah. long as you're not defaming anybody, it's fine. No, no. And that's <laughs> what I was very careful about in the previous conversation. So <laughs> I've got an opinion about this and you and I can chat offline about it. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, yeah, it is what it is. So I, I fuck it. Yeah, sorry. I don't, that's fine. It's the internet. We can say what we want. Yeah, I don't like that term one bit. It is what it is because you still own your moment. You still own it. So anyway, on to the current uh, current topic. Pete, yeah, he started uh, Juice South. Uh, it's Juice South Australia now. They're, they are amazing uh, not-for-profit organisation down in Tasmania. They've got camps, trust on board. Like, uh, they've got Kookaburra Kids. They've got heaps of uh, things. So offer free accommodation and with that accommodation is wi-fi uh woolworths have come to the come to the party as well woolworths are doing some amazing things like throwing free food at the accommodation there's another camera photography side of things down there there are obviously you know uh, offering that and yeah so I just help out with the. the Hang on, you have to explain what it what the what it is. Oh, so it's free accommodation. It's uh, free accommodation in just outside of Orvalstone in Tasmania. They offer it from May to October, but yeah, it's it's not just it's not just veteran it's not just free accommodation for veterans. It's um, everything from policing, fireys fire uh sorry fires um and paramedics but just the general population like they're offering everything like that so yeah it's free accommodation so i think we need to probably go into it a little bit more so it's primarily for first responders and um veterans that you guys can get together and sort of hang out and chat and unplug from the world would i be explaining that correctly correct yeah. it, and it's a micro farm it is a micro farm. There's a massive, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Besides the, I need to research this. I need to be a better spokesman, I suppose. You've, you've kind of put me on the spot. Have like, I? Okay. Yeah. Well, let's no, I'll link no, the no, website. I've got the website out. So it's the First Responders Veterans Accommodations and Adventures. So it's sort of a home away from home, support networks, deliver programs to help transition personal development and wellness initiatives. Correct. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I need to research that. Maybe I should bring up that website next time. <laughs> if, if we get to chat again, I'll probably get a ban. I'll, I'll might get on the ban list. Like everyone, else, everyone will sit there and go, Troy's boring as shit. No, man, you're not boring as shit. This was one of the things that I was like, you were like, why do you want me on? I was like, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I want you on? Yeah. Like that was. I still, I lived in the shadows for, you know, over a decade, right? Yeah. Like, we, like I had protected identity, wasn't allowed that, wasn't allowed Facebook, wasn't allowed Instagram, wasn't allowed everything. Yeah. Actually, that's one of the things. Am I allowed to publish your, your full name? 
Yeah, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. So, so it doesn't matter if your ex is only current that I couldn't do? Okay. Yeah, well, and even current, I don't know what I the thought. I know I, what the rules and regulations were for me when I was current serving. Like, I wasn't even on the, uh, you know, I wasn't even on the, uh, like, secret the list and stuff like that. So I didn't I, exist. I had, I've, I've interviewed a, a wife of an ex. Um, I don't even know if he was serving at the time, but he was an ex SAS guy. And I have a feel, I couldn't publish her surname because of the, privacy laws so that's why i was asking because i didn't want to be naughty publish, uh, whatever you want yeah hence why i put a book out there and yeah it's a bit different in your case <laughs> you can publish whatever you want um yeah it's just yeah if i bumble between things it's just i i am still getting used to this sort of public life i suppose so, yeah um, the good yeah. thing about this charity is that it states on the website um, 90% of all donations go directly to the veterans and first responders support programs and 10% only to admin um, costs, no wages. It's all a volunteer. So that's a really great uh, aspect of the charity as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, there's four of us that um, run up sort of the directorship, if that's a word. Can I create my own words? <laughs> you, you yeah, of course. You may, I make them up. You can you can make them up. I think directorship's um, a word. If it's not, we've said it, so it is now. Yeah, Put it so in Webster. There's four of us. Um, Pete is the sort of head honcho, and Pete and James are the head honcho. So they they do a lot of stuff. They're both uh, one's ex Air Force, one's ex Army, but they're they're the ones pushing it. So what we wanted to do was create a not for profit charity organisation, and it's got not for profit status now. But we wanted to create something which was one hundred percent transparent because I'm not throwing yeah you know, throwing shade. I'm not not trying to do anything negative, but a lot of the bigger organizations, like they, they still pay their CEOs like half a million dollars. And it's like, where, where the, yeah, where does that money go? Yeah. Like, you know, hang on a minute. Where does that money go? So, yeah, we do it all. Uh, we do it all for free. Yeah. Yeah. We get state and federal government stuff given to us, but we don't, none of us take a wage from it. We're doing yeah. it all voluntarily. So, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I I enjoy it personally because I get to pay back, and yeah, I I even sponsor like I you know I'm flying people down to do stuff down there. It's yeah, it's it's crazy. It's uh, it's well, it's not crazy. It's just yeah, it's I don't know. You pay it back, so. Good. I don't know how, how else to put it. I'm just <laughs> trying to put it in my terms. I'm trying to articulate myself better, Fee, because you have an intelligent audience. I've, I've listened to your podcast and it's just like, I don't think I belong in this podcast. What? So, uh, See, that's the self-doubt creeping in. Uh, well, you belong in it. Is, uh, is, you know, already I'm using the incorrect English. Um, yeah, this is the author coming at me. The people you've had on are more articulate and more intelligent than what I am. So yeah. I don't think so. I I see. I think you undersell yourself, and I don't know whether or not this is Troy being Troy in terms of the self doubt, or if it's a an Aussie because obviously we've got the tall poppy syndrome in in Australia. I don't know if it's an Aussie thing or a military thing that you don't want to say. I don't want to come across. 
like trust me i can freely admit i've got a ego you know unbeknownst to everyone but is it well okay i think that if you go through i think that if you go through any form of special forces training and a successful, you have to have a level of self-confidence, which is where I was coming from the self-doubt before, because you have to have a level of self-confidence in your abilities. Mm. Right. And that's, yeah, I, I don't know. I think you underestimate yourself or you don't give yourself enough credit. Maybe. I just don't want to come across as that, that guy. Yeah. We refer to, yeah, exactly. You're not a we wanker. Refer to as that, that guy, like it's, it's the wanker. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's just a bit different. So come on. We've got bloody Brits and, and um, Americans now on SAS. Who dares wins? I don't know why they didn't get anyone from Australia. I still don't uh, get over it. And, you know, I, I chat to fairly regularly, one of the one of the girls, Izzy, from um, she did like she's a Olympic level athlete, and she was on the first series. And I'm just sitting there going, and then I see the instructors. And I'm like, you've got so many Australians here. Why are we getting Brits in to do like it's not nothing on the Brits because the Brits are amazing. Like you all know, the American, yeah. But it's yeah, but it's like why why aren't we just getting people in like yeah i I know i know there's dan on there but dan's like he's he's the doctor like he's not an instructor and he should be one of the instructors we should he um he i want to get dan on the podcast actually i haven't reached out to him no no i haven't i i just you know you should reach i'm an aussie so i use everyone's shortened no he the yeah i don't personally you know we're not uh besties by any means but he did some amazing things. So obviously he's he's past SAS selection. So mm. going through, um, from what I understand, he was going through reinforcement cycle, and then they, because there's a return of service obligation, he got pulled back from that, and yeah, had to be a doctor. Like had to be a doctor. Like you know, it's like it's like oh geez, damn it, I've got to be a doctor. But he kept. He were again. I wasn't there on the ground, so but he kept uh, Woody in 20, 2011. He kept him alive. He was pretty much blow, like he was blowing up and he was blowing in two, but he kept him alive for a lot. Like he nearly saved his life doing battlefield medicine. So, yeah, Dan Pronk, can't talk highly enough about him. Um, obviously, all the boys from Resilience Shield, like I've read their book. I don't get wrapped up. I haven't. Up. I want to read it. You you should. It's an awesome book. Um, I don't get wrapped up in the publishing house. Like, yeah, I'm a, from a different publishing house. So, yeah, there's amazing publishing houses here in Australia. But Resilience Shield, uh, yeah, and and then even you know Mark Wales's book. I'm well. halfway through that. He's he's an amazing mm. character as well. But um, very honest account of his. Exactly, exactly. But um, yeah, I'm going to use the word I, journey. I know you hate it. There you go. Uh, used it. I hate that stuff, word. Stuff, yeah word but um yeah everyone everyone uses their own word but there's you know there's even police officers books and stuff like that so you know there's ones that yeah yeah i'll text you offline and yeah yeah tactical books but yeah dan pronk um his brother ben ben i believe was ceo i didn't work with him 
um, but he was COSASR. And then the other, the other big. Please tell me we're allowed to be saying all these names. Well, they are, but everyone's out. I know, I know, I know. Dan's out. I didn't know about the brother Ben. No, uh, Benny's out, um, as far as I know. But um, the biggest name, and you know, that I actually, you know, think, yeah, you because know, I've read his stuff and and uh, Timmy Curtis. So he's the he's sort of the the uh, yeah. He, he's quite one amongst them all and stuff like that. But, yeah, Tim Curtis, he he's done amazing things as well. So it's, it's, it is, it's truly, for me, it's truly an honour to be amongst those guys. Like when I talk about honour, um, it's, and it's not being on the battlefield, it's, it's writing a book, you know, Bram, Bram Conley, you know, there's just so many, you know, there's so many people. That it's 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 amazing. So. I think that I think that to be in the military in general is such a selfless act. And then I think the special forces, when you know that you're going to be um, going in and seeing the the worst of humanity, I think is another level to that. So I take my hat off to all of you guys. At this point, guys, we actually ended the initial interview and then offline, Troy was talking about how he met his partner. So I hit the record button and this is the rest of the conversation. Enjoy. We're back. Now we're going to hear the the meeting of the current partner story. The, da- the dating app story? Yes. Come on. I love, I love a bit of romance. <laughs> so it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Tinder or Bumble or any of those dating apps by any means. So I had just done... I'd, just gotten out and I did uh, a podcast. Am I allowed to talk about other podcasts? Yeah, of course. Phone? I'm going to give you recommendations of other podcasts to go on, actually. Oh, awesome. That'd mm. be awesome. Um, but I did Life on the Line with Alex. Great podcast. Yes. Great podcast. That was the first one. I was so nervous. Had to drive to Sydney from Newcastle. Again, it's people sit there and go, oh, you're, but you're an ex-Special Forces operator. Why are you nervous? I'm like, well, I'm talking in a camera and I'm talking it's to people. It's just different. It's a different one that you're used to. It's outside your comfort zone. And they've gone, oh, you know, it was at an RSL and they've gone, yeah, let's we can have a beer. And I'm just going, no, I don't want a beer because that's going to go one way. <laughs> it's going to lead to me having six beers and then I'm not going to be driving home. And then, yeah. Anyway, did the podcast with them. It came out. Um, I was still working on the book with uh, with Brooke. Um, couldn't have done it without her. It was amazing. Couldn't have done it without Big Sky Publishing as well. Amazing for them. But um, Bree heard my Bree being my current partner. Um, well, hopefully partner for forever in Ever. life. <laughs> yeah. Does it sound bad when I say current partner? <laughs> like I'm just trying to. It yeah, does. I, if you say current partner, you say partner. Yeah, partner. Yeah. Again. I'm just a dumb male sometimes. I'm just going to throw that caveat out there. But anyway. That's all right. We, we As women, we know to give you guys a long leash when <laughs> it comes to. You've got to give us a little bit of leeway. <laughs> a couple of, of, of millimetres of uh, leeway. But, um, yeah, Brie heard the, because she likes reading, she heard the podcast. Uh, she likes listening to that podcast. Uh, subsequently, she listens to yours a lot now. Oh, does she good? Yeah, yeah. Um, she travels to work on the train away, you know, from where we live. So, yeah, she sticks the earbuds in and off she goes and listens to stuff. So, yeah. Um, so she listened to my podcast and then I get a, a text message via Instagram and 
yeah, she's like, oh, yeah, how are you? I love listening to your podcast. It was a nice thing. So, yeah, in in modern day terms, she slid into my DMs. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I rang her straight away. I was like, I was like, yeah, this this woman is amazing. Like, yeah, I looked at her. What you stalked she- it? Did you you stalked her on social media? I may have. Yeah. <laughs> She stalked me first. Meanwhile, but. she's running your name through the database to make sure you're not wanted. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we haven't got to the the, the proper. I don't know if she's let her do that, but I reckon she would have. Um, oh, 100%. She probably. I don't even know if it's illegal, but you know, I don't think it should be. If you're in that line of work, you want to vet who you see. Just to prove I wasn't a criminal. Or, yeah, or exactly. Like, just top drug dealers or anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't know who's. I suppose she's listened to the podcast. So anyway, keep going. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Uh, and she'll be listening to this. So this is, it just makes for a good laugh anyway. So um, she did nothing illegal. I looked her up uh, on Instagram. Yeah. So yeah, I stalked her and I was just like, this woman is beautiful and just saw what she did. And she was so articulate and uh, intelligent and everything. And I literally just fell for her. Like we, I rang her um, over Instagram because I didn't know you could do that. So that I didn't might, know you could do that either. That's why I was I, shocked. I didn't either. So that might sound kind of stalkerish. So to uh, the listeners out there, I'm not stalkerish. But, but hang on, she slid I, into your DMs and then you just rang her straight away? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I texted her back and then I rang her. It was all in the same night. Oh, see, that's a good move, Troy. You need to oh, – yeah. see, that's old oh, school manners. It's a special forces mentality that you just seize on an opportunity. Yeah might sound bad but it's just like nah that's good manners though too and i just said hey it's troy and then she um yeah brie gave me a phone number and we chatted via normal means so it wasn't full stalkerish but yeah uh, it was stalkerish i think on on both yeah behalf so i don't think it was stalkerish at all that's really sweet Hmm. and then what what did you take her for your first day uh we went out to a place she Flew up to Cairns at the time I was in Cairns seeing the children. So she flew up to Cairns and we went out to dinner uh, at a restaurant up there. So it was just a, it was a pretty sort of mediocre. Chilled. Yeah, it was children then, yeah. So, but um, yeah, been together now for a bit over six, seven months. I'd have to, yes, I'm going to be, I'm going to play the dumb mail card again. I don't know the exact date. So that's fine. I don't know, I don't know how it works with uh, your husband. Does he remember dates? Am I just, Am we just- always argued about the date because we met we met at the pub and we yeah. met I say we met on one date and he said that it was after midnight so it was the other date but the oh, only that, reason that's exactly like us said so but that, the only reason why that came up in in the debate was because he forgot our first anniversary and I got annoyed and he was like oh, no it's tomorrow so that's always I been I don't want to bring that up no but we were together for nine years before we got married so now we just do our wedding anniversary so we can agree on the date. So it's no problems. <laughs> it was always like a funny contentious. It's this day. It's not this day. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, well, I won't bring that up ever again, but. Um, no, it's fine. We laugh I'm about it. Hopeless with dates, but uh, yeah, it was uh, September, October. If that doesn't sound too bad, <laughs> it was around those months. So yeah, we, but it was long distance anyway. Like we were sort of flying back and forth. I was between Cairns and Newcastle and then here in Brisbane and everything. But yeah, it was just a pro- ask her. Just ask her what date she wants to celebrate. What date do you got do you, does she feel that you officially got together already, so you can celebrate it? I've already asked that and uh she's told me, but I've already forgotten. So 
<laughs> if it's not Try. on Try. <laughs> if it's not on Time Tree, I don't remember it. What's so, Time Tree? It's a a calendar, like a dual calendar that um You guys we, can both use. Yeah, we both use. Oh uh, yeah, it's just a it's it's not a dating app by any means. Like it's not like you know it's just a merging of calendars it's just a calendar and she puts her work stuff in there and then i put my work stuff in there and everything's like that. happy days yeah that's good but yeah that's the story so hopefully i I was gonna i wanted to ask rather but i didn't think that i should considering her line of work i was like i don't want to get too personal with her stuff not super secret um like it is like she's got an element of you know discovery in there, especially when she does stuff. Uh, I don't know. It's having. It's it's not having. It's you know I am enriched by being with a, a powerful partner. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's something to be said about having. I, I it was actually a Goldie Horn quote that I that I heard her have an interview with in in Oprah of all places, and it always stuck with me. And she said, "You need to find a partner that complements you, not completes you." And I think that is the most important thing. Exactly. It's it's not the complete. It it, it complements. It's always you walk side by side. It's never behind, never in front. You walk side by side. Yeah. And yeah. One of the things that I have a theory about, and I'd be interested to, for you to, to know this as you're in that. We could go on clip. some massive rants. Imagine if we had a bottle of wine and you and I, you hey, me. What do you think it's going to happen when you come down to Melbourne? <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't really drink, so. You, me, Brie, and your husband, we all just have a, a couple of bottles of wine and just go on massive rants. So I have a theory that. Well, I say men because I don't know any women that are in special forces, but men that are in the special forces and ex-special forces, particularly if they've been remarried, they seem to trend towards very strong women. Like they don't want meek, mild, barefoot, pregnant in the kitchen women. And I think that that's just an interesting observation when I, I listen to other podcasts, particularly American podcasts that they've had ex-special forces people on there. Partners always seem to be really strong, independent women. I would say that is correct. And I don't mean that in it, like, you've always got to be careful. Like I don't think, you know, and I try and um, gift my girls with a bit of, you know, life wisdom, I suppose. So I don't mean it in a misogynistic way by mm. any means, but I, I 100% agree with you. So I've only had three serious relationships and the third being with Bree. So my first was a marriage for, you know, I was married for 16 years together. We were together for 18 years. Then I had another sort of long-term relationship for uh, just over three years. And then, yeah, had a period of, you know, singleness and met Brie. But Brie, were, Brie was the difference in, like, she was just this alpha male who just knew how to take charge, knew how to do everything. Can't refer to her as an alpha male. Well, alpha female. Is there such a thing? Am I just <laughs> Yeah, well, no. She, yes, there is. There has to be. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It was just different and I just fell head over heels for her and yeah it was amazing so and she still is amazing um and now you've moved for love i have i have i have moved for love and i'm not afraid to admit that i you know i'm in love but 
uh, going back to your original question, I think there is something that just attracts the special forces or the former special forces. Cause I'm not special forces anymore. Um, yeah. Man to just a dominant female. So, but and it's, it's interesting because you think it's, you think, okay, that's most, I would say that it's an alpha male environment, special forces. And you would Im- imagine that they would go for the opposite of them. No. And I say them in terms of, but it's interesting that they, that doesn't. Oh, it's good. And you, I, it's a, it's a massive generalization. As a female, you can say, "Oh, sorry, a woman." Uh, uh, yeah, I don't mean to be derogatory. Why? Is it, why do you think they're saying that someone's a female is derogatory? Oh, I prefer to just refer to women as women. So okay, just, that's fair. That's a fair point. Female just seems like it's just I don't know. I think it depends on the context that you're using it. Like if you're like, oh, that female, like different, you know, oh, she, oh, she's a female. It's different. But if you're just, I don't think any any term that you've referred to me as a female is derogatory. Put it that way, Troy. No. Okay. Yeah. And I definitely don't mean it by any means. So, um, but yeah, it's it is like I'm I'm now casting my mind over all the guys that I know and all their partners. Um, they're just, they're strong. They're strong women. Like they're, you know, I've got a mate who has, his partner is a New South Wales like police officer. She's a commissioned officer in New South Wales police. I've got a mate who uh, his wife is in uh, state politics and I'm just sitting there going, yeah, yeah, we are, we are attracted to a certain, yeah. Are they slightly off topic? We, we, we are. That's sort of beauty of a podcast, but are they second marriages? The ones that you think of that are married to stronger women? Question. I can't comment on that only because I don't know. Mm. I think they're fur. Oh, the one who's married to my mate who's married to the New South Wales police officer. Uh, I don't know if it's his second marriage, but it's definitely his second sort of long term. I think yeah. it's married. I think he was engaged beforehand. So. Yeah. I just wonder, the reason why I ask, I just wonder whether or not those life experiences changes who you, the attributes that you want in a partner. I I think it does. Yeah. Does. You don't want to look after anybody else and you want someone that's a bit more self-sufficient. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I chat to my, yeah, my two eldest daughters are 21 and 19. Um, God help the men that they're interested in. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not that bad. I've met them. Um, they're both. Um, Have you done that? Bring them over when I've got my mates around. Have you done that? Please tell me yes. Um, I have. Yeah, so, purely to intimidate. Uh, come on, yes. I told the boys to behave themselves. So yeah, yeah. They they didn't really. They're just going. You realize your dad's like yeah. They're going. Your dad's fucking nuts. So, <laughs> And they're going, yeah, I know. And they're, and they're saying that to the boyfriends and I'm going, I'm trying to put on, so I was trying to put on the good guy act. They're, the, the boys are getting fast and loose and and trying to get the boyfriends, you know. In trouble. Even, yeah. And, yeah, and, tell, and just filling them full of stories that aren't exactly, like they're true but they're not true. Like, yeah, you know, when you can sort of, you know, talk Exaggerate up, slightly. Exactly. Exactly. So the stories happen, but they didn't really happen exactly that same way. So I'm just like, hey, boys, uh, if my daughter trusts you, that's cool. 
I trust you. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not that father that sits there and goes, yeah, but the boys on the other hand, they, yeah, give them an inch, they take a mile sort of scenario. So. Are you talking about the boys in terms of your ex-teammates or are you talking about yeah. the boys? Okay. No, ex-teammates, yeah. That's funny. They uh, they like to put the pressure on, don't get me wrong. I think that's one of the, the pro, um, prerogatives as a father to, to be able to do that. <laughs> I try and be a nice guy with the father side of things. So, like, yeah. don't get me wrong, if, if someone was hurting my daughter or... or you know, subsequently my son, if someone's hurting my son, I would, um, yeah, I'd rain down absolute fury. But, uh, yeah, haven't had to do that, so, yeah. You've had similar, similar um, <clears throat> from your discussions in regards to and your comments about your grandparents and then um, to some degree your dad, you seem to have very much the, that outdoor um rough and tumble sort of character traits that they had. Has your son, given the fact that you spent so much time away, has your son picked up on that? Do you think he's going to go into the military as well? He wants to go into the military and my ex-wife often uh, cracks his shits, even though I'm not there for him a lot um, physically. He's just got my personality traits. It's, it's you know, the old saying. Genetics. Yeah, yeah. He's got, like, I watch him, yeah, when I was up there last year, I watch him and I'm just going, you are a chip off the old block without even trying. Like, I hadn't been the influence in his life. Like, his mum, like, full credit to her, and I'll say this, you know, whilst I don't like her, um, she's been an amazing person in his life. But you just, sometimes you just can't help genetics. And, you know, he's, uh, yeah. For better or for worse, he hasn't fallen far from the true night tree. So, does he want to go special forces? He does. He oh, does. Oh goodness! I tried to talk him out of military altogether. Did uh, you? I just said, yeah. I said, look, just concentrate on this stuff and that stuff, and yeah. And he's only eleven, so. Oh, okay. So he's still quite yeah, young. So he's still quite young. So it's it's a long time, but yeah, when he does everything that that I did. And, and and still do some subsequently enough. It's it's uh, yeah, it's one of those things. So, sorry, what? you're just making me choke up a bit there. Uh, no, it's all good. I think it's, it's I think it's lovely that when men <laughs> choke up about their kids, like I think it just shows such a a level of love, and you know, it's lovely. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, you know, I absolutely adore him. It's just, I, you know, there's a different. And I don't even know how to explain it. Like, I've th- trust me, I've thought about it uh, a thousand times, but it's a different level. Look, what I was brought up with as a father isn't what I was as a father. Like, there's yeah. different levels of being a father. Like, you still need to be there. You still need to support them. Like, I don't agree with disappearing. You know, I can go into a conversation where, yeah, I don't know my biological father. He mm. ran away. He um, got my mother pregnant and ran away. And then my father, who I can, who I call dad, mm. he was there from my earliest memories. And he took me on unbeknownst. He took my mother on and he took, um, you know, because he was in love with mum. But he took me on. What a wonderful human being. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know my biological father, but I, I don't I don't treat him as a father. It's just like... No. Um, 
he was a donor. Exactly. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Brie goes, Oh, don't you want to know your biological? And I was like, no, I don't, I don't care. Like it doesn't bother me and it, it doesn't play issues on me. So, but what it did highlight to me was there's sort of different, you know, I've been there. I wasn't just a um, biological father for my son. You know, I was there. I still support him financially. I still fly up there and still see him. I just, I'm just not like the normal father that, you know, rocks around and, and stuff like that. So there's different, well, I think you have to be careful using the terminology normal because there are so many different makeups of what a family unit is, you know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's it. Now, now you're getting the deep and nitty grit. <laughs> you're, you're allowed to use whatever you want. So. <laughs> I can end, I can stop it now. Good luck. <laughs> stop I, it. I... No, it's good. Like I said, it's, uh, yeah, I like using the word cathartic, but uh, no, it's good. I've never had this level of in-depth, like I've done a few podcasts now, but I've never had this level of um, in-depth conversation. I've never had anyone who really wanted to. They just wanted to know the military life and about the book and stuff like that. So, yeah. I think it's important to understand the person behind the story because mm. I think that's what people <clears throat> draw well, I think that's what's interesting. And if you can understand a little bit about the person and then hear the story, then I think sometimes it can resonate a little bit more with people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, again, I don't know. If I don't know how to answer anything, I'll just sit here and go, yeah, I don't know how to answer. <laughs> why I'm wanting to ask a question like people what was your experience because i love life on the line podcast they're a great they actually reached out to me after i did um dan's episode Mm. so um and i say dan like we're you know we're mates and we're not he wouldn't be able to pick me out of the lineup yeah west side sort of thing you know we're besties now you know (laughs) (laughs) um and that was really sweet because i do i do really like their podcast i think they do a really great job and for them to reach out was um was lovely. So what was their experience like? Because they're a lot more, that's a lot more of a production. Um, what What do you mean by what? Well, I'm the- interested in terms of the difference between the podcast because you're saying that I've gone a lot more deeper in terms of you and that's okay, different. So- this is my own uh, my own in, like research and interest. No, that, no that's fine. Um, and I try explaining this to to Bree. So I see us, you know, and I've got no uh, qualms in admitting this. So I see a psychologist. Um, for some reason, I can open myself up to a woman but I can't do it to a man. Like I feel intimidated by a man. I don't know what, like, I don't know what it is. It's just, yeah. I just don't feel the same level of, yeah. So that's very common. Yeah. So I, um, the boys, Alex and well, the guys that uh, interviewed me were Alex and Thomas. It was a, yeah, it was just the first podcast, but um, you know, with, with yourself, it, it was just been, it's just been, it's genuine. It's just, yeah, I don't know really how to 
how to put different, it. Different styles. It, it has. It's been, it's been like we've got the banter, but at the same time we've got the, the deepness sort of thing. Does that make sense? It's a um, conversation. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's for me, and this is me personally, I don't know how you've been with your other, yeah, for me it's, yeah, a lot of it's got to do with you being a woman and it's not the, and it's hard to explain uh, Brie gets it, but it's hard to explain sometimes to other other guys that I work with, especially from the special forces side. It's like, yeah, no, I know, I connect with women. They're like, oh, you're just trying to sleep with it. I'm going, uh, no, no, like, God, no. I think more than that than yeah. It, does that make sense? It does it's- because I think that from a male point of view, and obviously I can only say this from a from a woman's point of view, but I think that there's a level of Within men, yes, a female. <laughs> point of view, um, there's a level of having to keep a facade up of strength. You know, not wanting to show that level of weakness. Whereas I think with with women, a lot of men can sort of let down that barrier because they don't have to have that bravado up in terms of being one of the boys. I I, I think I think you might be right there. Like now, you know, listening. To- to that like i i just haven't thought about it in that perspective um but yeah you don't you, you honestly you don't have to have that level of bravado up it's yeah just, and it's not that you know i could you know i come home to a, a strong woman every night um it's just i think it's different and i think that if you particularly when you're in a group of alpha males i think that that you know <laughs> It's like it's a whole other podcast on itself. We should start <laughs> a podcast on this. It's like, it's like, we can, no, be, I'll tie it into the other one. It's like how do men be men? And yeah. Well, I don't think it's how do men be men. And, and, and to be honest, this is a whole other podcast. I think men have it very difficult these days because as much as it's like women you know, like you can, you're meant to work, but you can't work too hard and you have to have a family, but you can't neglect your family and go to work. And it's like, you kind of, it's very schizophrenic expectations from society. I think it's the same for men. It's like, be strong, but don't be too strong. Be vulnerable, but don't be too vulnerable. Be protective, but you can't be violent. Like it's, it's really hard, you know, make the first move, but don't, don't come on too strong. Like it's really, <laughs> I, yeah, I think everyone's fucked really. <laughs> It is. Like, how do you, like, now that we're getting back into society, like, how do you, you know, for a, for a guy, you know, when I grew up, you went to the pub and you bought a girl a drink and you chatted to her. Yeah, and- that's, what you, that's what we want. Okay, everybody, we are going to leave the conversation there. Troy Knight and I went down an absolute rabbit hole after this, and needless to say, neither of us wanted to be published on the podcast. So we're going to leave it there. Please go out and grab his book, Havoc 06, and also jump onto the Due South website, see whether or not you're interested in supporting that charity uh, for first responders and veterans, um, giving them a little bit of respite. Thank you so much, Troy, for coming on, and I will link everything in the show notes. Thanks so much, guys. Bye. Thanks for taking a moment to listen, everyone. We hope this episode inspired you as much as it did us. If you know somebody who also needs a little inspiration, then please share this podcast with them. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your fave podcast app and rate and review us because that helps inspire us to keep making them. 